five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. You're listening to Tabletop and Beyond with your host, Justin. But before we get started, how was your geek week? And co-hosts, Dan and Jason. You have to be willing to let the dice help you tell the story. Okay, look, this year, I'm going to stop mispronouncing words. Join us as we cover board games to war games and beyond. And welcome back to Tabletop and Beyond. I'm your host, Justin, Dan, and Jason. Welcome to the show. Hey, everybody. Ho, ho, ho. Merry <laughs> podcast. Was that lame? It was a little lame. It was good. It was lame in a good way. Yeah, good lame. It's lame is lame. Yeah. It is the holidays. We, it's only lame if we keep talking about it. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> We're going to make it, it lamer. Lame. Go ahead. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Go ahead, you go ahead. You're the host. Well, uh, it is the holidays, and we've got a fun show for you guys. It's basically a, um, not repeat necessarily, but uh, a a this year's annual Santa's wish list where we come up with the things that we wish that the big guy would bring for us. If you could fit it in his sleigh, that'd be great. Speaking, Speaking of sleigh, guys... I have to tell you, I went and saw Violent Night the other day. No, I wanted to go see that. Dude, it's awesome. Yeah, it looks hilarious. It's awesome. Like, it's so over-the-top awesome. Like, it, it um, is Santa Claus oh, I was going to see if you meets, wanted to go see it, too. Damn. I'll go see it again. <laughs> we should go see it. Is that good? It, dude, I just had so much fun with it. It was like Santa Claus meets Die Hard. So I heard it was, um, it was Home Alone if yep. everything that actually happened in Home Alone was for real, yeah, like if you so, actually got hit in the head with a can and stabbed <laughs> in the foot with a, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, and so I mean, there's definitely some like serious Home Alone homages in there, you know, um, but then there's like a whole Die Hard feel to it too. Nice, where you've got like these terrorists that are taking over this mansion, and Santa Claus is basically John McClane. Yeah, nice. You know. And it's awesome. And there's some just amazing one-liners in that movie. Like, he he, he picks up the sledgehammer and goes, looks like it's time for some season's beatings. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, uh, it was great. Good times. But David Harbour, by the way, who pe- most people know from Stranger Things. He was the sheriff mm-hmm. um, in Stranger Things. Hopper. He is, yeah, he is uh, Sheriff Hopper. He was Santa Claus in the... Uh, Violent Night, and he does an amazing job with it. Like, absolutely amazing. So, it's very good. And John Leguizamo is the bad guy. And I was, at first I was like, okay, but he's just so over the top. Like, it's amazing. The whole thing's over the top, super cheesy, which makes it, like, super fun at the same time. Cool. Good times. Need to go see <laughs> it, for sure. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. So. Sounds good. Violent Night. Go see it. Uh, all right. Well, anyway, like we said, we've got a great show. It's our Santa's wish list, and we're excited to share with you some of the things that we wish that we're going to be getting under the tree. But first, how was your Geek Week? Uh, Dan, kick us off, buddy. All right. Well, I've been leveling up my painting skills. Um, I uh, invested in a uh, Star Wars Legion Imperial Army, 
And I also, because I bought the um, Inferno Squad, you guys may know Inferno Squad from the uh, Star Wars Battlefront uh, game, console game, mm-hmm. and PC game. And um, these guys are dressed like uh, TIE fighter pilots because that, that's one of the things they do. They're also ground forces. But they have their own unique logos, right? So I went and I ordered through Etsy from Canada a little sheet that had all of these little Imperial logos, including the Inferno Squadron logos. And I thought that these were like peel and stick, like stickers. And I oh, had you to got level transfers. Up. They're transfers. I had to level up my modeling skills. I had no mm-hmm. idea what I bought. And I ruined a couple of them. That that means you're learning yeah. people yep. when you ruin something. Uh, but you have to cut them out with an X-Acto knife, and they're so small. We're talking about shoulder logos, like shoulder patches for 28-millimeter minis. So these mm-hmm. the, the circumference of these are like one, one and a half, two millimeters max. And they're so small, and you got to soak them in water. You have to soak them in water to get the th- the little plastic. That's yeah, like the thing old, off. it's the old school tattoos, right? Yes, I yep. didn't know this. And then, um, and that goes on to my second geek week is I've leveled up using gloss coat, top coat um, material. I'm using Testor stuff that was off the shelf at a at a hobby store, but I'm. Not only am I making the Inferno Squadron, their helmets and their boots and their gloves look real glossy shiny imperial style but i also have the uh, imperial uh, death troopers they're black and if you remember these guys these are the black stormtroopers from rogue one they are shiny all over the place um and i've really been enjoying using the top coat to pick out to know what's screen accurate what's what was matte colored on their uniforms and what was glossy on their uniforms and and getting that as close to what was what was on screen as possible nice i think that you have leveled up now uh, a tier beyond me in your painting skills that sounds like you're really getting into this well thank you i appreciate that i I, a lot that means a lot coming from you because you guys were running you you guys got me into this because i'm like there's something to this and i've i I, i'm not only drinking the kool-aid i'm mixing the kool-aid and passing it around um, but I really want to post photos of these Imperials. I've got a lot more work to do on my shore troopers that are sandy, dusty, dirty guys. Um, but I want to finish them up more sooner than later. But they're starting. I, I essentially had to start over on my death troopers because I primed them at black and they looked so good. I was like, well, they're done. And then, <laughs> I looked, then they weren't. Long story short. Black primer is not enough. Even when you think they're done, you really need some other tones in there. You need grays and stuff like that. And that's where, um, you know, speed paint, contrast paint came mm. came in and, and helped me out. And, and a, even even a uh, even a death trooper, which is pretty much the entire uniform is black, except for the edge of their guns and they have a couple green lights. You still do need to Zenithal prime them to get to get other tones. So, but yeah, yeah, it was it's all been painting, 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 painting for me. Since the last time we were less since the last time I reported out on on a geek week and uh, and my posture is suffering for it. So that's great. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. I haven't done transfer sheets yet either. Um, mostly because like I don't think that they have a lot of transfer sheets on AOS models. That's mostly a 40K thing. Yep. Um, but uh, that's awesome. Like, yeah, like you watch the videos of how to do it and uh 
they make it look super easy, but I don't think it's that easy the oh. first couple times you do I it. Always you know? fail. I they, always fail. They, the, they're so small. My fingers are so big. The I had to use two tweezers to just lift the, the teeny tiny piece of plastic up mm-hmm. out of the water. So I'm sure yeah. there's better ways I could be doing it. Um, but, man, it, it really hurt. I was glad that the Death Troopers have no logos. I'm like, oh, good, no logos. <laughs> we can move on. Um, but, but, but transfers, it's a real skill, and you have to learn it. Um, I learned that you can stick them on just with water, and they slide around, and you can position them really well. But then if you don't mop it properly, it can separate from your model before you even start putting the top coat on, and that, that can be problematic. Or if you put a little top coat down first... And you put the transfer on there and maybe you put it, it's off just by a hair. You're going to have a hard time sliding it over a hair. Yeah. So uh, I, I, I wouldn't discourage anybody from doing decals, especially if they're doing sci-fi things or army things. It, it's just one more skill in your arsenal. And man, these guys look so cool now with their shiny, glossy helmets with yep. logos on their shoulders and their helmets. Um, it, it really, it, it, it works in my opinion. So uh, it was worth it. It was painful, but worth it. Definitely. In my opinion. I mean, like, you can do all the freehand you want, but, like, it doesn't make up sometimes for some of these transfer sheets that are printed out that are nice and crisp and especially that small, right? So, And you have to learn how to transfer onto spherical objects, shoulders and helmets. I mean, come on. And have it not have wrinkles. It it takes real work, Um, but... uh, I'm excited about it now. I'm really gonna. They're. Nice. I think they're really gonna pop on the table. They probably won't photograph as well, but I think they'll look great on the table. Because of the right gloss or what? I need to like get a better camera than my iPhone. I'm not. I'm having a hard time getting the real. What I see when I'm mag, double magnified, right? I, yeah. I've got a double magnified headgear that I wear when I paint, and everything looks so big in my field of view, and then even with a really good, a pretty recent iPhone with really a, a really good zoom in. I, I don't think mine has the macro lens, though. I guess I can need a new. I'm not getting a new iPhone, but I I, I need a better way to photo photograph uh, zoom in details. Otherwise, a, a lot of my work is just lost, lost, lost in the um, uh, you know the 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 fuzz of 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 um you know the visual periphery. You know, you get so small of details that you can't really notice. But I notice. Cause I had it blown up, you know, how many times in front of my mm-hmm. eyes for hours. So, but I'm excited about it. Um, they do work. It's a doable thing. And when I sat down to do it, I was ruining it. And, and it, it, a few YouTube videos later, I, I was, I was nailing it. So it's, it's a doable there you thing. Go. That's my geek week. Cool. Nice. Very good. Very good. Jason, how was yours? Uh, good. So I finally broke down and uh, Sekiro, uh, Sekiro finally yeah. went on sale again. It's one of those games like, you know, Grand Theft Auto Five. like, the thing has never dropped below, like, $40. Right, right. It's, I mean, that thing, how old is that game now? That game's, like, 10 years old now? Yeah, super old. But it's just so popular and has such a huge base. Like, yeah, I mean, there's no reason to drop that thing on sale. People are still buying it. Well, Sekiro is kind of that same way. You know, that's made by From Software, the same guy who directed the Dark Souls series and the Demon Souls. Um, It was in between... Uh, I think it was in between Dark Souls 3. No, it was in between Bloodborne. Uh, I don't remember. Anyways, 
Uh, it's un, uh, unrelated to the Dark yeah, Souls series, right. but it's the same kind of gameplay, uh, same kind of f- feeling where you know you you have the everything's at stake. If you die, you you kind of lose experience and you lose um, um, you, you lose the things that you're earning, uh, your money and stuff. Uh, and it's one of those games that's incredibly punishing. It's all about timing in terms of the combat mechanics. You have to learn, you know, every enemy, watch for. Uh, how they respond there there's no sh- it's a samurai game uh so you're a shinobi and you have so not sim- but you're a shinobi and it's all about pairing so it's very like focused on um sword play uh so oh, it's, interesting. yeah it's very challenging but i'm i really am enjoying it um Really, really digging it. I got it on. It was on sale for twenty nine ninety nine, and I had like I had like ten dollars in Microsoft points or something from you know turning in the turning in the weekly quests and all that stuff. So I got yep. it for like twenty bucks, and absolutely worth it. Love it. Can't you know? I've had so many friends that I play the Soul series with that have been like, "Why have you not played this game yet?" You know, Jason. <laughs> and finally, here I am, and they saw me. And of course, first thing they saw right when I booted it up is I'm starting to get a flood of messages from my friends that are like, "Finally," you know, and so. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, but it's a great game. Love it. It's on sale right now. If you're interested, uh, definitely worth it. If you like, you know, very raw. Um, uh, um, uh, kind of melee combat uh, that's very challenging and very punishing, but also you feel like you're getting better at the game as you go on because you are. Yeah. So love it, love that game. The second thing I did was I cleaned up my uh, printing station. My wife's been complaining about the resin, the smell of the resin, and and everything since I got the printer. Uh, so I I first I first I don't know if upgrade is the right word, but I switched to a less stinky resin. Okay. And then I think she started to smell, uh, not her, me too. You know, I could smell it really could. I was just kind of trying to ignore it. Um, I could smell the IPA, you know, the isopropyl alcohol that was mixed with the older resin for Mm. a long time. So I finally just cleaned up. I cleaned my table off. I took the old resin out and the alcohol baths out and and, uh, uh, got them away, got brand new alcohol. I got a... um, I got a magnetic stir, which, you know, how those work, they're normally for, like, science labs that they stir liquids in beakers. Um, hmm. And uh, it's That's really cool. good. F- yeah, it's really good for uh, cleaning resin off minis because you just you just take the little kind of Tupperware, uh, Tupperware container with IPA in it, and you put your, you know, your resin minis in it. You drop this tiny little magnetic like pill almost down to the bottom of the thing, put it on this magnetic plate and then turn the knob up and it basically just catches the little pill and spins it, which agitates the water or agitates oh, the alcohol. So a magnetic stirrer is anywhere from 20 to f- 20 to $200, right? So mm. I got, you know, I got like a $20 one uh, and, uh, you know, a Tupperware container and a bunch of alcohol. And I, so for probably about, probably about $35, I got a little uh, washing station, handmade do-it-yourself washing station, and oh my gosh, I, it's the smell is it's way it's back to where it should be. Like now, it's I even had my wife go down there right before the podcast, and and she kind of confirmed that yep, yeah, it's it's way better now. So that's good. Yeah, I'm hoping that I can um, take a little less flack for my printing that's going on, and and I'll be a little more now that my station's cleaned up. I'll just be a little more enticed to. Um, continue to print some really cool stuff so that was what my what i did this week 
Yeah. Nice. Very good. Very good. Ha- happy wife, happy life, right? Yep. That's there you go. <laughs> Very good. I uh, <laughs> I uh, started playing today the game High on Life. Have you heard of this game? Uh, yes. So this is the game that was done by um, the creator of Rick and mm-hmm. Morty. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it is as I'm surprised. Uh, <laughs> It pushes That's one with the like bug gun, right? It's like yes. every gun's like a weird bug or something. Uh, yes, and they all have a talking personality. And um, what does what is this guy's name? Justin Roiland, is that right? Roiland, Justin Roiland. He um, he's kind of the one that helped create Rick and Morty. He uh, d- put out his company Squatch Games that developed this game and and put it out. And um, it's an Xbox exclusive right now. So, um, kind of interesting and it's a, like, it's a lot of fun, but I mean, it's like I booted it up as you can play it on cloud games. So I'm just sitting there and I'm like, Oh, I heard about this game. I booted up and within like two minutes, I'm like, I cannot play this game in front of my kids. Yeah. Yeah. I figured, I figured that when I saw it was (laughs) the Rick and Morty guys. Oh yeah. Like (laughs) it was, I mean like F bombs and you know, you know. you know what's funny about it? I love Rick and Morty. Yeah. It's hilarious. The problem is the only time I ever really see Rick and Morty is I'd be in like, you know, on travel in a hotel and I'd just turn up like, you know, Adult Swim or whatever. Yeah. And you watch Rick and Morty and it's always edited. Like they just bleep it, right? Right. There's right. nowhere I can find actually getting bleeped uh, edited Rick and Morty episodes. Right. Like yeah. you just can't any streaming service anywhere you buy them. It, they are unedited and it is like F bomb city Yeah, on those yeah. shows. So, so like, it's really funny. I mean, the writing is hilarious. You know what I mean? Like, it's so funny. Um, and you're like playing this like alien Rick and Morty episode, essentially, you know, like, I mean, it's not, you know, Rick and Morty, but the, the very thematic and, um, it's like it's a lot of fun, but you're just like I cannot play this in front of the kids. Yeah, it's just like too much. at all. Like it's just like it's too much, and it's um very adult centered. I mean, like it's not um raunchy. Do you know what I mean? Like it's mm-hmm. not um yeah. se- very sexual or anything like that. It's just a lot of f bombs and funny kind of jokes that adults would get. So, um, but right now it's got a nine out of ten rating on Steam with like three thousand reviews. And, no, so, uh, so it's not Xbox exclusive then if it's on Uh yeah, Windows. Sorry, it's not yeah, but Windows. Um Got it. You know, so it says platforms Xbox One, Series X, Series S, Microsoft Windows. Oh, I got it. So So yeah. yeah. But uh yeah, so I mean you can't get it if you're playing PlayStation, I guess, right now. But it's uh it's very popular and it's pretty wild and it's just like so random like there's there's one achievement that i got that i was playing this kid comes out and started just like yelling at me it's like this kid bug and i'm like dude stop yelling at me and then he's just like you can't kill me you can't do it like you know it started like insulting me so i just i killed him because i'm like dude stop you know so i killed this kid and this guy's like, whoa, I cannot believe you just did that. You're such a monster, you know? But then I got an achievement that said, yeah, they don't let you do that in Fallout. <laughs> <laughs> so nice. it was pretty funny. And then, like, the next thing you know is, like, you start talking to his mom, and she's like, nah, it's all right. He was always, like, taunting people, so he got what he deserved. Besides, <laughs> he was 30 years old. 
Yeah. So. <laughs> like, wasn't okay. a kid. Yeah, wasn't a kid. Did they so. have, did they have uh, voice actors that overlap with the, that show? Yes, Justin Roiland is the voice actor of the gun, and he sounds just like Morty. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, um, and apparently they've got some other really high-profile high voice actors. I can't remember uh, who they are off the top of my head. But it's like if you heard them, like you know them from other games and, and like um, cartoons and things like that. So it's pretty big. Uh, one of the interesting things, Jason, is that they were getting some flack on using AI art in their game. Yeah, let's save that for another episode. <laughs> yeah. So I've got some strong opinions. I do too, and I think um it's really interesting cuz I've seen I've seen a lot of people saying like the amount the lightning strike that has come down on AI art has been so fast and so swift it hasn't even been fair to like the discussion of it, it right? right? It's just so, so hard and fast. That's kind of why I want to wait a little bit before we talk yeah. about this topic. Let's 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 watch some uh, evolution or some maturation in the topic itself. Let's put totally. a pin in it. Let's put a pin yeah. in that. So, one. but that is, I think we do need to talk about it because I think it's we really do. interesting. We do. Um, it's we'll do it at the first of the year. Then we can list, lose half of our listeners and start. Yay! From scratch. <laughs> <laughs> start the year off right, people. Or episode one. Who knows? Descents. Exactly. All right, so that was the first one. I started playing that today and uh, probably played it for like uh, a little bit before I realized uh, my kids are right here, so I can't play it. So I need to pick it up again in a little bit. It's really kind of interesting. Um, the next one that I watched, so this is kind of not really like, I don't know how to explain this. It was a Western. I watched a Western on Amazon Prime. Um, and I know that that's not necessarily like sci-fi. Is that or the one with computer. the Cumber? Cumberbatch? No, that's the something dog one. Okay. Um, I watched the English. Okay. Now the English has Emily Blunt in it. She's the main actress. Sold. Dude, <laughs> she is so good in this. Like she's. I think she's my favorite actress. She's pretty good. Like I'm self-editing right now. Yeah. So <laughs> that's so funny. So she. Um, Let's just. Two words, Mary Poppins. Mary <laughs> Poppins. So and she Mary like, freaking Poppins. She was obviously really good in The Quiet Place one and two, like really Did good she, in that. Yeah, and she was freaking amazing in um, Edge of Tomorrow. Oh my gosh, one of the best movie underrated movies ever. I sh- so I showed that to my daughter over Thanksgiving, and she's like, "This is an amazing movie." I'm like, "I know," and supposedly there's like. A sequel that was supposed to be made, but who knows where it is right so now. So, side tangent, real quick on that. Yep. Uh, did yep. you know those suits they wore? Those were real suits yes. that were like 80-some pounds. Yeah, I read an article about it. Did you read that same article? Yeah, Annie read it and told me. I don't read. Where <laughs> where, where she was like breaking down, like yeah. Emily Blunt was breaking down. She's like, I don't think I can do this. And Tom Cruise leans over to her and is like, just, just stop being a pussy. Yeah, suck like, it up. <laughs> what? <laughs> Yeah, I oh, mean, yeah. he said it like she's like laughing about it, you know, and he like said it in a nice way, you know what yeah, I mean? But yeah. he's like, you just got to kind of suck it up and get through it. And that was like his way of saying it to her. And she, it, it made her laugh and realize that it's not the end of the world and she'll make it. Yeah, all he so. had to do was, you know, describe that she needed to vet her metathetans or whatever, right? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'll stop. Anyways, so, I don't yeah, know which anyway. is worse, me making fun of his religion or you guys using the P word. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, 
So um, anyway, she's in this in this show. It's six episodes called The English. Um, just amazing cinematography in this. It was a nice slow burn. Like it, there was like some good action that was in there, but it wasn't um, heavy on the Western tropes. Do you know what I mean? And so I felt like it just was a very, very well-told story. And at the end, like it hit emotional, paid dirt. Like just such a such a great masterclass in storytelling and how to like handle character arcs and things like that. It was really, really, really good. Really, really, really good. So uh, I know that's not necessarily kind of like, you know, fantasy or sci-fi related, but I'm a sucker for a good Western, and this was one of the best, in my opinion. So you guys should check it out if you got the time. I don't know, man. It's hard to beat the uh, red-headed stranger starring Willie Nelson. <laughs> nice. <laughs> good times there. Yep. Good times there. All right, well, that brings us to the end of our Geek Week. I think that we've got uh, someone special coming down from the North Pole. Ho, ho, ho. (laughs) Sorry. Tabletop and Beyond News begins now. (laughs) I'm really just going to draw the cue out as long as I can. So what's awesome, Dan, is I was trying to draw it out a little bit longer so you could have time to hit the button. And I was almost on time. Yeah. I was pretty much on time this time. Yeah, I know. I was early. Well, I didn't trust the buffer on my phone because it has betrayed (laughs) me in the past. Fair enough. Oh, 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 yeah. High production value, people. Yes, for those playing the home (laughs) game. Yeah, it's an iPhone next to a microphone. Yeah, we're rolling with gold here. We're, We're going deep. I think they already knew that, Dan. Speaking of gold, our first item of news I'm really excited about. Um, today, uh, we're recording this uh, in mid to late December, a few days before Christmas. Army Painter announced today that they are doing speed paint metallics. So a lot of people, I love metallics and I like speed paint. So for me, this is two great tastes that taste great together. Um and um, this is uh, first of its kind in the industry. There's not an equivalent right now in uh, from Citadel. Um, so that's an exciting thing. And um, there's, so there's a great YouTube video. Look up um, Army Speed Painter Speed Paint Metallics and you'll find the video. I love their YouTube uh, videos because the CEO of, their, of Army Painter is so enthusiastic about his products and his product lines and he gets excited about it and he brings in the main studio painter and there's also the usual sales guys involved and in, in, who do the calm stuff which is great too but um it's it's really exciting they they're coming out with gold silver and bronze all three of them look really great um if you're painting something that's all metal uh it's a it's a you know it's it's prime and go it's prime and go and and it's great to hear the chemists or, or the, the guys who were designing the chemistry behind the paint talk about their products and how much they like it and how proud they are of their product lines. Um, and so it's really cool um, that uh, the Army Army Painter is, is doing that. So check it so, out. So I'll be really interested to see how this works because your normal speed paint style is that 
it pulls where it needs to, which gives it the opaqueness where it needs to be dark and shadows. Yep. And it thins out where it needs to to give that transparency in the higher parts, which why you Zenithal height your highlight your mm -hmm. miniature so that you can take advantage of the higher and darker values of the um, of the paint that you have on the miniature, right? Um, I'm curious to see how that'll work with metallic. Yeah, you can watch you can watch him do it on their video. Mm -hmm. He uh, does a matte white, like just a flat white um, uh, prime. No, doesn't do a Zenithal. And he just paints three minis with the three colors and sets them down. And, and those are the ones that you can see how the effect looks. Um, it's a good effect um, just hmm. with, with one coat. I mean, obviously, in you know 90% of the time, you're not going to just do one paint. But um, I... I abuse metallics. I over-metallicize my minis way too much. I'm always mixing metallics with other things, with other speed paints, with other, um, you know, basic acrylic paints. And so I'm I'm super excited. And you can just watch them on the video, and then they put them up. They do close-ups so you can see what how it looks. And it, it, it looks like you did uh, a, a really good coat of metallic, and then you covered it with, you know, a nice... Uh, wash that uh, that that didn't pool up weird. I've been using, I've been putting washes on metallics lately, and sometimes they pool up in weird places. But mm -hmm. I didn't see any of those weird pools, obviously, with the speed paint. So get on YouTube, people. Go Army Painter Speed Paint Metallics, and check it out. Um, and they're going to be competitively priced, I can imagine, because Army Painter comes in at usually a, roughly half the price of Citadel. So. Uh, it's not even a, a heavy investment. We're talking like four bucks a bottle. And they nice. last a long time. I, I, I have thrown away very few bottles in my in my time painting. Very good. Yep. Um, getting into the Hollywood sphere, um, Henry Cavill, who is a well-known uh, Warhammer enthusiast, he yes. is uh, no longer playing the Man of Steel after he was announced that he would be playing the Man of Steel again, which is uh, unfortunate. But it's a good he got week done for dirty. him. Yeah, I, I don't. We're not going to go into that. But he has announced that there's a deal uh, to do a Warhammer series or film uh, produced by him and starring him. So uh, for you Warhammer fans, if you want somebody who really loves the source material, I thought he did a great job with The Witcher because he enjoyed The Witcher. He played all the Witcher video games and read the novels, and then he then he portrayed the um, uh, the, the the protagonist in the show. I'm sure he's really going to wrap his arms around this, and it will give all you Warhammer fans who love your lore an opportunity to put your lore up against other Hollywood lores out there. So um, uh, it'll be a, a wonderful moment where we can determine, is the lore as good as you guys say it is? <laughs> so I'm needling uh, the Warhammer yeah. people just a little bit because you guys I, talk about yeah. your lore a lot. <laughs> I, I love it when you bring something like this because like the very next word out of Justin's mouth is usually, so. So. Yeah, right. so. so. So stop offending our um, listeners. I'm kidding. You guys know I love you. Come on. Come on. No, I, I was going to say the interesting thing is he let the rumors are he left being the Witcher because he had issues with how the second, se second and third season 
um, played out with the showrunner who really hadn't mm-hmm. ever read any of the Witcher books or played the games or anything like that. So he did not like the way that Geralt of Rivia was kind of being portrayed. Yeah. Um, and there was one specific moment that has been cited several times, which was in the second season, his horse gets killed and he ends up kind of making a joke. Geralt of Rivia makes a joke about it, Mm. which is like totally out of character for Geralt because he loved that horse. You know what I mean? And, um, and everybody's like, what? Like all the major Witcher fans. And apparently like rumor was, is that it really rubbed. Um, Henry Cavill the wrong yeah. way, the wrong way. So he left that. Then was told, "Hey, that's fine. You leave that. You're gonna be the. Ne- you're still gonna be the next Superman." And everyone's like, "Yay, hooray! Like we love him as Superman, which we do. I do personally. Yeah, he's great." And then, and then uh, James Gunn's like, "Yeah, just kidding. Uh, I know we said this literally like three days ago." So, um, what I love about this is that Henry Cavill brought the, like, the core knowledge that he had to the Witcher into Geralt and it was he was an amazing Geralt of Rivia because of that. I think whatever he does with Warhammer forty K because of his knowledge of it, yeah, he's gonna pour himself into that. So it's I in his head. Think... It's already in his head. Exactly. And what I love about this that I think you're gonna see a stark contrast to the Lord of the Rings, um the Rings of Power. The showrunners of that show didn't re- don't really know the lore of Lord of the Rings. They're trying to tell a story, and they're doing an okay job of it, but they're alienating some hardcore fans. Um, I don't think that that'll be the case with this because with with Henry Cavill being uh, the executive producer here, yeah, um, he will ensure that the lore is intact. Now, whether or not you like that lore is a different story, right? But I think he's going to tell the Warhammer 40k story the way that. The fans expect it to be told. I I knew something was up when he was posting on social media his tour of the Games Workshop facility. And this would have been about three months ago. I was like, this smells like something happening. Um, You know, and uh, it's not just him geeking out and fanning out. And it could have been, but, but I had the feeling that you know, it's a property that probably has been licensed before, but nothing's ever really happen, happened with yep. it. But, you know, Amazon's got money. You know, they're going to do something. It's not going to be terrible. Um, so, well, I, I, I'll watch it. I'm eager to watch it. I'm looking forward there's to a it. Lot of, there's a lot of 40K fans in the, around the world that will absolutely watch this, yeah. you know. Um, and I think that there's some casual sci-fi people out there that will tune in and enjoy it. I'm going to have a little so. clicker for every time I see uh, Space Marine bell-bottom armor. <laughs> click, I'm with you, click, Dan. Click, click, click. I, click. I, I, I struggle with the bell-bottom and the giant soldier pa- yeah. uh, shoulder pauldrons. Yeah. They That's just okay. seem so impractical to me. But they're holy. So they're holy. Careful. So they'll they, they'll do it. I, I, I'm, I'm going to make fun of it, but you know I'm going to watch it. You know, yeah. I, I'm down. Yeah. For, I'm down for it. All right. Next piece of news. This is pretty cool. Um, uh, the Kickstarter has made over 1.5 billion dollars worth of games. Tabletop gaming games have made 1.5 billion dollars through the Kickstarter uh, platform. 
So since the um, since the company launched, it has made a total of seven billion dollars. Oh gosh! Since two thousand and nine, and twenty percent of that has been tabletop games. Twenty percent. So a really important component of crowdfunding. Crowdfunding. We've discussed this at length before, but it, you know. Crowdfunding takes a lot of risk out of putting out tabletop games, and it makes uh, makes things that were just um, good ideas into reality. And um, not every not every Kickstarter out there is amazing. Um, the article on um, that cited this on Dicebreaker uh, com mentioned that there's still about there's a 65 percent success rate with those tabletop hmm. games. So you know there's always about a 35 percent chance that something's going to not go the way it should. Um, and but you, you can mitigate that by backing companies that have good fulfillment reputations too, right? Yeah. Like Simon's not going to fail you. Uh, yeah. Mythic Games is not going to fail you. You know what I mean? Right. Like um, the, the, the fly-by-night dude who's doing it out of his garage in, you know, Peoria, Illinois, maybe. Like you, you better kind of like – Going knowing that there's a higher risk, and at that point, like it's 50 50, right? Because if you take out the big ones that are always like fulfilling, then you're taking like a 50 50 shot, probably, yeah. on whether or not you're going to get a game. Well, and this so. is a really important data point, too, because for a long, long time, and I'm going back to the 80s and 90s, everybody would say, Well, how big is the gaming industry? Mm. What's the dollar mm. volume on the gaming industry? And the joke was that somebody had done some research on it, and it was about the same dollar volume as opera, <laughs> like <laughs> opera. And yeah. everyone went, "Oh, womp womp!" You know how much money does opera really make? But now we're in the billions just on one platform alone, and that's yeah. really really exciting. Now that's not at one point five billion per year. That's one point five since the platform launched, but but still, um, you know, if if Kickstarter's making that much coin. There's a lot of other traditional publishers and other platforms of crowdsourcing where, where other folks are making real money too. So that's yeah. good for the hobby. Yeah, I mean, like, it's been almost 15 years since they launched, and so you're looking at about $100 million a year um, just on Kickstarter. Yeah. Yeah, that's, you know, that's, that's more. I'm going to stick my neck out there. That would, I think we've beat Opera. As far as right. yeah, I don't know if we're up to, uh, you know, uh, carbonated soda level industry. I don't I don't think we're rivaling Pepsi and Coke yet, but somewhere between opera and Pepsi and Coke, uh, we'll find uh, the gaming industry, the non video game gaming industry, because I think the video game gaming industry is is a multi billion dollar industry every year. Every year, yeah. yeah. I um, the other interesting point to me here is that Kickstarter usually takes about ten percent, right, of the campaign yeah is that about right 10 percent. that means that they've been raking in over the last 15 years 700 million dollars oh man so they're making about 50 million dollars a year and getting rich so yeah i and i hope that um you know you guys were talking about you know ways you can kind of uh cull your risk there but i've always looked at kickstarter as the platform to help those ri- to, to to take a risky venture to yeah. try to get a game out like i honestly i don't go to kickstarter to try to back a big company i go to kickstarter to back the dude who's got a fun idea who's been playing this game with his buddies and he wants to take us somewhere else and i i feel as topic for another day which we've had a kickstarter episode before but you know i, 
I hope that it doesn't become inaccessible to the indie guys that just get lost in the noise because I think a little bit of that's starting to happen. Um, you know, unless you can, unless you get up there and you pay to be the promoted or the exclusive, mm-hmm. and you have to get an awesome video on day one because you're only going to have that promoted page for you know the for twelve hours. Uh, you're going to get lost in the noise and unfunded. So I, I don't know. I I think it's awesome. It's a great point, the news article, you know, the show yeah. that the size of the gaming industry. I just hope that even though this game, that as our size grows in this industry, we still find ways to make it accessible for the little guy. That's a good point. I mean, I think, I think with Kickstarter, what it's shown is like the rich kind of get richer in a sense. You know, like mm-hmm. as you get oh, yeah. well known, you get more success. As you get more success, you have more budget for marketing. Well, for and you're using cool the medium. You're yeah. the rich are. You got to be careful because we're not. We're just using this as an example, right? We're kind of platonically here. The yeah. rich come in to the place where the money is being exchanged by the low folk, and mm-hmm. takes it from the low folk even on their platform. And that's kind of what we've seen right. is the big companies have moved into the platform that the little companies, the little guys were using. And are gobbling up the money that away from those little guys. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Well, and that that's true. Um, however, even w- even in that environment, if you do get noticed, even if you do a small Kickstarter, having money in hand to go to a publisher, if you're going to try to publish a board game or something in a cardboard box, rather than having to come out of pocket yourself, mm. is still a still a good thing, a really yeah. good game changer. Yep. Um, instead, otherwise, you'd just be going around for to publish from publisher to publisher, pitching your yeah. idea, and they're like, "Well, we get a thousand pitches a year. You're just noise." You know, you can you could break through that if you had your own social media community and people, and and had a not didn't have a lofty goal but had a small goal. Yep, yeah. it's definitely still open the door for accessibility. Yeah. Uh, last item of news for those paying attention. Um, the one D play test materials are out. They're continually being updated. If you want to try, uh, if you want to do some play testing for the new one D and D, uh, version, the next version of dungeons and dragons to kind of subsume and replace fifth edition. In addition, that edition will also have a, a, a bigger digital footprint. They just, uh, uh, updated. There's a new cleric class that's available and they're focusing on species rather than race which is an important thing. And there's there's some some interesting and good changes, some things we've already talked about and seen in 5th in edition, and there's other other key ideas in, in the playtest materials that you might find interesting to see the direction of D&D because wherever D&D goes, everybody else has to pay attention to because they are the biggest gorilla in the zoo. And that's the news. And um, I'm going to eat cookies with Santa now. <laughs> very good very good thank you dan for the news those were some really interesting topics and obviously like our discussion uh was very much prompted by your news items so thank you very much i try thank you my pleasure <laughs> well that brings us to our main topic tonight santa's wish list we want to share the three things each of us have for Santa that we hope that he will bring to us. Now, I don't know how half of these things are going to fit into his bag or on the back of his sleigh, but yet somehow we think that we could manage this. Uh, So I think that uh, I think I'll kick it off, guys. I think I'll kick it off with what my first thing on the wish list is. So 
I would like the AK Interactive acrylic paint set. Now, I have seen this in person. I have used this in person when I took the uh, bust painting class from Devin Maurer. Um, he had the AK acrylic briefcase set here. Now, this is an interesting story that's kind of behind this thing because there's a hundred paints in this thing. It's like 275 euros, which translates to about like $275 right now at this point. But it's a ton of paints and colors and things like this. Now, Devin said that he got it as a promotion from AK to you know promote it because he's a professional painter. But what was interesting is this came out on the heels of their controversy that happened maybe like two years ago. Do you remember that, Jason? Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is where they put out like the Colors of War book that was like um, yep. how to like paint kind of like grizzly war scenes with your AKA colors. And one of it was like, uh, I think it was Dachau, like Holocaust camp. Mm -hmm. Ugh. Yeah. And it was like, uh, yeah, cool. we probably shouldn't be painting this, guys. Like, <laughs> or using this as inspiration. Which, you know, I mean, like, was it a great place to show, like, weathered concrete, rust, and, like, you know, just sa overall sadness? Yes. Yes, it was. Was it appropriate to put it in a book and market it as, like, a great thing? No, no, it wasn't. We call that know, so. poor taste. Yes, exactly. So because of that, there was a whole uproar in the uh, community, and they were just about to release this briefcase, basically, of all their stuff, and... They were going around to different artists being like, could you plug this? Could you plug this? And several of them said no based on what happened. Well, Devin's like, do you want to give me free paint? Heck, yeah, I'll take your free paint. <laughs> oh, no. no. <laughs> well, I mean, it's fine. You know, like he, he, he took it and he, he's been painting with it. But I used it um, at this bus class. And let me tell you, I love this paint. Like this paint is it's like What's amazing. What's special about it? Um, the, what was great is it. Devin uh, yeah, Devin uses it. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> no, what's great is they've they're coming the little dropper bottles, and um, if I remember correctly, they had the twist caps, right? So you didn't have to flip up or pull a cap off. You twisted it, dropped it, and then twisted it back down. And I'm not talking about the screw top caps. They're like twist. Um, you know what I mean? Where you twist like a, a sports twist bottle. Open. Yeah, like a sports bottle yeah. exactly. So you do it quarter turn, you drop it down, and so you waste minimal paint. Um, I've got scale 75 that has the dropper tops, and some of those get some paint that just comes out the top even after I put the cap on, you know, and ends up getting crusty and stuff like that. Um, so it's really great. The colors are uh, very vibrant. I really like them, and they provide like you can thin them way down so the pigment is nice finely crushed in there and the medium works well with it so you can thin them way down with water and you put it on there and you get that you get that coat that you want that night that nice coverage so that like when you're painting with them you don't have to worry about it going too transparent which is my my issue with scale 75 is sometimes it goes too transparent and you're like i just want some coverage my dude you know and it, you have to go over it like five times to get coverage over like a black or a white or something like that which i did not have any issues with that with this scale 75 i really 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 liked them so that would be my first gift choice that i have um would be 
that briefcase of cool. um, AK, AK um, paints. So you can find it at ak-interactive.com and look for the AK briefcase with 103 gen colors. And there they are. So that's my first gift. Uh, let's go to Dan. Dan, what's your first? What's, what What do you want Santa bring you, my friend? Um, I'm really stocked up on Legion, but there's one. I don't have any. Ve- well, I do have a couple speeder bikes, but I don't have any like real vehicles. And um, I really am looking at the Star Wars Legion, uh, the L-A-A-T-L-E patrol transport. It's like a hover transport with kind of TIE fighter wings on the sides and guns Mm. coming out the bottom. It's about a $50 model. This model is a lot more complex than the average Legion model just to do a glue up. And there are pieces of it that you have to kind of paint before you finish glue up because Mm. they're interiors and you've got, you can pick the different, if you, you can have a clone trooper in there for the Republic or you can have a stormtrooper pilot in there for the, for the empire. Um, and, it's it's a lot more on the model side of modeling that's you know like you know the 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 model aisle at the at the craft store you know what i'm talking about yeah um so this would be a much more complex project for me you know doing a glue up on on a trooper is not not nearly as complex as as this so it's about 50 bucks i can't really justify it that's why i want someone to just buy it for me yeah ho 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 yeah Bring me Santa, baby. Bring me some Legion minis tonight. Sorry. That was my Eartha yeah. kit. As I grind, grind the podcast to a halt. Okay, Jason, you're up. Yeah, well, that's funny because <laughs> my, my actual first one that I had was at Star Wars Legion. I've wanted to get into an arm into Legion so that I could come to the tabletop and play with you guys. Yeah. Uh, so I don't, I don't want a ton. I just want a... One that I can kind of build and bring to the table just to play, you know, a standard, a standard point. So let me ask you, Dan, what would a starting point value be for an army? Um, because I've heard five hundred, I've heard eight hundred. Well, um, there's two different versions of the game, right? Um, there's a skirmish. Oh, there's a skirmish game which is smaller. So unlike some other games, like there's. The skirmish version of um, Age of Sigmar is Warcry, but Warcry has a totally different rule set, right? Um, but if you're just doing a, a, a full army, a basic army, that that is, I'm double checking here because I don't want to lie, it's 800 points. Um, so, it, 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 so 800 points, yeah. 800 points, there we go. Yeah. Yep. And so I think that there was a boxed, there was a boxed Imperial set yeah. that was coming out. And I think at one point you said, get with that. And then the next time I talked to you, you were like, don't get that if you want a good army. No, I just decided so I, I didn't want to wait for it. <laughs> okay, that one comes with an ATST, So you got, you've, you're already bringing armor to bear. And it's got like four speeder bikes in it. But it has snow yeah. troopers that are better than stormtroopers and has Darth Vader. Uh, as your main commander and as your force user, it it really is a good box. Yeah, I mean it looks fun, and uh, so and I'm not I'm not interested in meta in. Yeah. More so, is just playing with friends. So. Yeah. No. And I've always been an imperial guy, so that's that's on my top of my wish list is to be able to play uh, play that game with some buddies. Yeah, I made the mistake of like going on podcasts and like getting in the meta, and then I had money in my hand that I had to spend on minis. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm like, mm-hmm. well, it was I'll like just, me when I was playing Magic. 
Yeah, it's like, well, I guess I'll just chase the meta. And uh, most of my games are snapshots and what was hot in the meta when I Mm -hmm. decided to invest. But Always chasing the meta means always shelling out money. But I've never actually played the game yet. I mean, that's how messed up I am. So That's hilarious. I I mean... So well, we're going to fix that. We're going to fix that. I've got an appointment maybe with John uh, as soon as he gets back from his, his holiday travel. But um, no, we're, we'll, we'll fix it. It just, it's tough, man. Sitting down and playing these games are, is, is tough. But anyway. All right. So I, that's my first one. I want you to get it. I want you to get it really bad. <laughs> so, play. so I've played Legion more than Dan has. Yes. I've played it twice. Yeah. Mm, I have played it once. But I've been doing list building and um, yeah. surfing YouTube. and I, So I'm, I'm, I'm still a newbie. I'm going to put myself in the newbie category. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Oh, and the uh, skirmish game is 500 points, by the way. Same oh, game, nice. just okay. less points. Exact same nice. game. Less yeah, so as long as you got 800, you can play skirmish. Yep. Or you can cool. play a full, you can play a tournament with 800 points. There's probably 800 points in, in that new Imperial box. I'd be shocked if you couldn't do 800 points. If you're throwing down Vader in an ATST, you're going to. There's half your list right there, and that's in the box. So you should mm. be fine. Cool. Yeah. All right. Back to you, Justin. Uh, I think Jason's up. Jason just uh, did. Yeah, so Legion, Star Wars right? Legion. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I thought that was all. I thought that was all Dan talking. Yeah, about. Yeah, kind of rolled uh, off of Dan because we both yeah. had kind of the same. <laughs> well, you asked me a question. I had to answer it honestly. That's true. Yeah, it's Dan, true. Dan helped out. <laughs> all right. So you guys are like high fiving over there, and I'm like, okay, I just guess I'll be over What's your here second with one, my Justin? paint set. <laughs> um, okay, so my uh, second one that I have is a camera. It's an EOS Rebel T7 EF-7 18 to 55 millimeter IS2 kit. It's a lot of technical jargon for basically a a Canon DSLR camera. And why do I want this? Because I would like to start streaming more of my hobby time stuff. And I tried to do this a little bit with my phone, and that just it did didn't cut the mustard. So let me and, ask you a question. Yeah. Why this model specifically? So this model came highly recommended for streamers. By? By streamers. <laughs> That's, I love it. <laughs> yep. Uh, I mean, it's got like a good camera. It's got a 24.1 megapixel camera, right? Yeah. Um, all that stuff. But uh, I think it does well in terms of being your proxy laptop camera. Yeah. Um, I don't. I can't tell you much more than that because I haven't really studied it. But if someone were to get this for me, like you know Santa, I wouldn't say no. It's you know on sale for three hundred ninety nine dollars right now. Yeah, I feel like that's um, you know once you get into the uh, you know I want a good quality camera for streaming that's not my phone. You're in the three hundred. To yeah, three hundred to seven hundred dollar price range, and and I, I think once you go into that price range, you're gonna have such a such a stand up quality above what we're used to with our phones that you'll be you'll be happy with it for sure. Yeah, and I think that that th- I think that three hundred to seven hundred dollar price range that you talk about is the starter mm-hmm. like good camera, right? Because you yeah. could go up to like eighteen hundred dollars or two thousand or something like that. Um, and I don't know that you have to for just if you're just streaming things like that. You get into diminishing returns. 
Yeah, right, yeah. for sure. You're you're spending fifty thousand dollars for you know one more tiny little picks, uh, you know DB of of support there. But yep. it's, yeah. So, it's, it, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Asymptotically approaching perfection. It exactly yes exactly. Um, I, the other thing is like if I had this camera, I would also use it to photo, uh, to photograph miniatures. Um, I have yet to be able to. I've seen videos where they're like, "Oh, just use your iPhone or your or your Google phone or whatever it is, you know, your Android," um, and it's okay. uh, take, you know, in it's fine. Like you have to go into the pro mode and mess around with the settings, but it's just you're not gonna get the same return without like the actual like lenses and things like that, you know. And I know that lighting is a big part of it, um, and so if you're not lighting your area very well your miniatures are not going to look as good as what you see on some of these Instagram mm -hmm. pages. Um, but, uh, I, I also, I also do believe having a good camera will make a difference, you know? So, yeah. Anyway, that's cool. So yeah. For, so for $400, that's my next one. There you go. Yeah. I mean, the, my, my gifts so far have been in like the three, $400 range. And you know what? So far those gifts are small enough to fit in, Santa's backpack. They have. They they are. But yeah. just wait for the third one. <laughs> oh baby. <laughs> Dan, what's your second one? All right, we're gonna I'm gonna help Jay out again. Real quick. Um th that box, that uh Star Wars Legion box that hasn't come <laughs> out yet, just with no upgrades alone, with Vader, three core units, th uh, three three units of stormtroopers, which they can be augmented with extra bodies. A uh, couple of speeder bikes and an ATST. That's 617 points out of 800 with no upgrades. So you can add more personnel, more hard points, more guns, more force powers on Vader, and you're you're going to be oh, in 800 cool. Fat City. Um, also, like I said, the scrimmage game is 500. A grand game is 1600, and a team game is 600. So, so how much? How many points did you say that box would total up again? I just went on uh, tabletopadmiral.com and I added Darth Vader, three groups of snowtroopers, two speeder bikes, and one ATST is 617 points right now. Uh, and so that's what you're with no like upgrades. Buy that box and still not have enough to play. No, a game. I'm telling you, <laughs> there are pl there's plenty of room to. Uh, uh, I bet oh, you there's eight, there's right. no Glasses you have half, you got to upgrade full. everything. Right. You know what no, I mean? That's cool. Like you're gonna like you gotta spend money to instead of having four snowtroopers in your unit, you gotta spend an extra ten points to get your fifth trooper, and then you gotta spend another ten points to get a guy with a flamethrower, or a guy with a a big gun, right? And that's I, I'll bet you, I'll bet you you're gonna get really really you'll be at eight hundred points in the box. That's my guess. I wonder if it's one. Of, yeah. Okay. Cool. So sounds good. I want to give you and our listeners. Detailed, accurate information. <laughs> Real-time updates by There we go. That's right. Okay. Um, Do one of those uh, podcasts, like at the end of the podcast, they have like a, they have a cleric that's doing fact-checking the whole time and right. corrects them at the very end. <laughs> a cleric yeah. or yeah. a clerk? <laughs> clerk, whatever. Clerk. I'm like a cleric doing <laughs> it. Yeah, cleric. <laughs> He's doing invocations. Hey. Yeah. 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 A cleric and not a D&D &D one, like an cleric, actual like. A clerical, a clerical know, clerk. It would be funny if it was a paladin. You have lied. And you, we will smite you for lying. That's right. I didn't know I was lying. Pierre at my holy symbol now <laughs> all so right I, it's my turn it's gonna be real simple 
it is not available in stores, but I believe in Christmas miracles. If elves, if those untrained elves can make Xboxes and Playstations in the North Pole, um, there's a new line of Army Painter Speed Paint coming out. I'm super excited about this. They went out to some awesome YouTubers and made them kind of the um, uh, uh, kind of the uh, a group of people to help them develop the colors that actual painters actually need and to make upgrades to the chemistry. So um, there's mm-hmm. you know, a few problems with speed paint with it reactivating. And sometimes that's a feature because you can blend. It's easier to blend army paint or speed paint than it is anything else, even after it dries, um, kind of like an oil paint. That's a Sometimes that's a feature, not a bug, if you know it, what's happening. If you don't know what's happening, it can be frustrating. Um, however, they're coming out with uh, a whole new set of pigments, a whole new set of colors, and a new medium chemistry that's coming out this year. I've been watching the YouTube videos on it. Once again, some of my favorite YouTubers, um, Brent from Goobertown Hobbies is one of their guys, and um, Dana Howell is is a is a great painter who I watch on YouTube. She's she was also invited, along with three other guys that are just fantastic. So. Uh, Army Painters reaching out to influencers and they're doing a, a really great job of engaging the community on what the community wants in, in a line of paints. And that's that's exciting to me. And they're my that's my main paint and I just augment with contrast and I augment with uh, other, other types of acrylics. So that's what I want for Christmas. I'm not going to lie. It's going to take a miracle. I might just have to wait for the summer. I, I love... I love this actually. I think it's great that they're doing this because when when they first came out with their speed paints and people started to recognize the reactivation that it was cool and then people started to say wait a minute this actually is kind of a problem too. Army uh, you know, I feel like uh, army painters response was oh that's intentional. That's uh, that's just how our paints work. And everyone was like eh, it's not really it's not really like super awesome. Like it, we're all, we're kind of struggling with it. And they were like, ah, it's, you know, you guys just need to learn how to use our paints. Yeah. And, yeah. but now, but now they've kind of, I think this is them recognizing that, okay, we got guys, we got it. We learned, we got version two coming and it's going to be great. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited to see, to see this next be paint because I've, I have, um, really enjoyed wet blending with them, but I've started to hit, many snags where like the reactivations actually kind of messed up my paint job yeah. and I had to go back mm-hmm. and repair it. And you don't want to wait the 24 hours for a full cure. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, I've done, been able to do things with zombies on fire with that reactivation. So it looks like the cloth is heating up and yeah, you, it's really, it, really it can be fun, now. but it, it can, it can also kind of smack you upside the head at the wrong moment when you're, uh, it, it's hard. You, it benefits somebody who's painting lots and lots of minis at the same time. If you're focusing on one important mini and you're using speed paint, you're going to keep hitting that dry, that, that I better let this dry out wall on a regular basis. Mm, yeah. Um, but they're working on it. It should be better. I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll find out. And, um, you know, blow, blow dryers work too. If you need to get stuff to cure faster, heat guns work great for, uh, accelerating dry time. Uh, but I'm not going back. I'm I, I'm loving it. I never get tired of it. I love the way it feels. I like the viscosity. I like the way it covers. I like the way it looks after it dries. And every time I go back to regular acrylics, I go, ah, I wish this was better. So 
That's that's what I want. I want a Christmas miracle, or I'll just spend a whole bunch of money when it comes out on the market later in the year. <laughs> nice. Which means I'm going to rebuy every color in the new formula, and I don't care. I don't care. Okay. I'm into it. I'm down for the struggle. Yeah, do it. All right, that's my thing. Go for it, Jason. My second one is Twilight Inscription. Oh. I had a lot of fun playing this when we demoed it at Gen Con. Uh, I thought it was very true to the feel and the theme of Twilight Imperium Universe. Um, and I don't know if it's one that would come out a lot, but uh, I'd like to have it on my shelf because I love 4X space games. I love games that um, have asynchronous play. And this game has asynchronous play in two ways because if you remember, there are actually different style of boards, uh, even for the same thing you're doing like if you're doing research there actually there actually were different research boards available um and then um depending on how the dice rolls every turn players can do different things you can decide to visit your industry board your navigation board or your warfare board just depending on what you wanted to do so i feel like there's a lot of replayability uh in uh, every time you play with people um and i like the concept of roll and write i think it's a neat game mechanic so I'm excited for that, to play that again sometime, and would love to have that uh, in my stocking. Awesome. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that we ditched our RPG game plan that morning, um, even, though, even though we still get to play a game of Starfinder. Uh, but it was well worth being able to sit down and do that Twilight Inscription roll and write, because you're right, it was a lot of fun, and definitely kind of a different game format than a lot of people are used to playing mm-hmm. yep. so it's like it's like a modern day bingo yeah and there was still that form of combat with you know the way the card was split you could have kind of a left and a right attack mm-hmm. and then kind of at the end of the i don't know what you call them like rounds after a series of turns you would see who had built up combat on your left side and combat on your right side so i i i really enjoyed the game it'd be fun to play it again definitely i think does John have it? Um, Lincoln has it. Lincoln I don't know if it. John has it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, we should play it. Yeah, we should. We should do it. What's okay. your third one, Justin? All right. So this is the one that Santa's going to break his back on, literally. Um, it is a table, a gaming table, that we saw at Gen Con when we were there. And both you and I, Jason, I think we were together when we saw this. Mm-hmm. We're like, wow, that is a cool table. And... Um, I know that uh, we have a table building expert here, and Dan. Well, thank and, you. Uh, you know he's uh, he's done a, a a good job in terms of uh, building his own table from scratch and things like that. I know I don't tech I don't think I've got the skills to do it, and so if I had a cool seven thousand dollars, I'd be happy to drop it here on the Harbinger, which is their gaming table. So. If you go to theweatheredragon.com, you'll see the table that I'm talking about that they had at Gen Con. It's a square table. Um, it has a hollow uh, middle section that you can put a topper on. Um, so you could you know, put your miniatures and things like that in the um, space and then put your table over it if you need to use the top for it. Or if you just have like a game that has a mat, you can put the topper on and then put your mat over it as well. What I love about this is um, the four posts have these cool like gargoyles on it, and they have lamps that are like working lamps 
that you and I think that an option, if I'm correct, if I remember correctly, Jason, you could have like a a um, a bowl that had like fire in it, right? Like yeah, a, you can get like a torch uh, a t- pylon yeah. instead of the lamps. Yeah, so you could either have lamps or or torch pylons. I think both look very cool. I I love the lamp look and having those as kind of your lighting on the table um, really brings like a cool feel to it. Yeah. And the way that the wood is and the crafting there, like it makes it feel like um, it's it's just when we saw it in person, it was a very well put together table, very solid. Um, the thing it looks had heavy. all the. It does, right? In a good way. Heavy. In a good way. You, yeah. Look, you get eight guys around a table. It needs to have some. <laughs> It needs to have some girth. Yeah, it does. And it needs to be sturdy, right, that <laughs> can take a beating. Um, you can fit eight people comfortably around it. And, you know, you've got your accessories. You've got lights in the table like you have, Dan, um, on your table. Uh, you can, There's a whole bunch of different upgrades you can do. There's, like, a whole, like, DM section that you can, like, attach to one of the ends that has like a whole area that you can put laptops. Hey, they have cubbies in here. Mine has cubbies. Yep. That's exciting. I, I like to see, I like it when my ideas also are available to, to for yeah. purchase. I'm like, yeah, yeah cubbies, I really like man. the DM. I like the DM station on that one side. It's really cool. The yeah. DM station. Yeah. You know, so if um uh they use nice uh Dan again, you use felt in yours, right? They use no, I like, didn't. Um, I used. Oh, you didn't. I, I That's used, right. Used I used leather, skills. and then I. <laughs> he used dragon right. skin. I used leather, dragon and skills. then I had some leather problems, and I and I put a a a faux leather uh, vinyl on top of my leather, and then on top of that, uh, there's an acrylic. There's just oh, a, that's it's, right. it's just like, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, it's just an acrylic plate plexiglass. Yeah. So these guys use um, poker table felt. Yeah. On theirs. Right, which uh, I like a lot, especially if you have cards and things that you're putting down on that. It's much easier to pick them up than a. Um, sometimes, uh, I don't know if you guys have noticed this on some of these gaming tables. You put a card down, you it is like impossible to pick up that card. Yeah, mm-hmm. like impossible. Yeah, I so. I decided against it because my kids would spill on it and I would make me mad. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, I've already you're, you're I've already wrong. spilled on that table enough times to make it worth it. <laughs> yeah, but no, if yeah. you're around grownups, it's not that big of a deal. And the fact that there's four posts and each post comes, it looks like about five feet up off the ground or four and a half feet, mm-hmm. four and three quarter feet off the ground, and they have like gargoyles on them. And the lighting is in a good place because the lighting yeah. is kind of behind you or off to your shoulder which means it's shining down on the book that you're reading as a player and it's shining onto the table. And mm. it's, it, that's, that's a really good place for lighting. Um, especially if you don't have a lot of control over the light fixture in the, in the room you're going to put it in, but this is not a dining table replacement, by the way. No. This is not a, this is not a, a, a stealth gaming table pretending to be a dining room table. <laughs> this, right. this is like a, Get it, assemble it in your basement, then you're never moving out of that you're house. You're never moving out of that house again. <laughs> um, did you guys see the crate that like it comes in? Did you see that? It's on the Facebook page. Oh yeah. yeah. They've got like a crate, and I mean, it's like you could you could be putting like, I don't know, like it's the same size of crate that they put the Ark of the Covenant in at the end of <laughs> yeah, Indiana Jones. Shipping alone is. You know? <laughs> I hope that's part of the. I hope shipping is included in the cost. I bet it's not. I, I wonder. Not. Ooh, actually, Jason, I wonder if that's why it was ten thousand at Gen Con if that included. Oh, probably. Included. I could. I, 
Uh, maybe. 3000 is a lot, but... It I is. Could see, I could see, like, 1500 for shipping. Yeah. Yeah. Depending on, but you know, insurance and all that. This is... I mean, this is not a... Th th this table is... It is, like Dan said, it looks heavy, right? And it looks... It's probably... I, if I remember, I was talking with a guy at Gen Con. It is, like, high-quality top wood. Yes. This this is a high-class gaming table. Yeah. And Santa might have a hard time sticking this in his pack. Yeah, it's good to dream, though. That's the, that's Santa the whole might drop point of this, this episode is to dream big. Dream big. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the other part you're is like... You're going to That's what you're going to get from exactly. Santa. Exactly. <laughs> that's right. The other part is that I need to dream big enough to have a place that I could put this in my house yeah. as well. So that's also me getting like a much bigger house. And, uh, and you've got you a know. big backyard. You could just build a build a house around the table a game a gaming shed a gaming shed yeah yeah that actually would be kind of cool <laughs> i'll help you build yeah. that too um <laughs> no i i i think if uh, whatever i did mark two or my ability to help other people to do a better job than what i did because like i learned from a lot of my mistakes and i'm living with a lot of my mistakes and, and that's okay but um but now i i know more about what i like and, and about what works and what's functional. I'm looking at this table. If you guys go to theweatheredragon.com, there's mm -hmm. uh, weathered and then dragon. Remember to hit that extra D. You'll see the aerial shot of this thing they did with the drone. And I can't imagine how this thing disassembles to be moved. I'm yeah. sure it does. I'm sure it has a disassemble thing. And that's probably what you're paying for. My other huge paranoia with any table with LED lighting that, you, that the LED string goes bad and then it just doesn't work forever. So I built in an escape, an escape hatch for, so I could pull out my LED string carefully and restring it with another thing mm. because um, I, I don't know how to buy industrial-grade LED lights that are going to hold up for 20, 30 years. You know, I just basically got whatever they had on Amazon. Um, that I could control with my phone. But this is really great. There's a lot of things about this one that, that I really like. It's probably much more functional than it looks when you first pull it up on their, on the, on their website. Because um, if you look real close, they've got extra outlets in those posts. That's, mm -hmm. a, that, that's a, a hard problem to solve. Lighting is a problem that I ran into and it has built-in lighting um in, in in five different ways the 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 table surface is lit and each of the corners is lit and that is great because um lighting really matters when you when when you're when you're doing this so i'm i'm excited i would i'd love to copy this mother and, and try to attempt to do my my own version of it that'd be fun i think it's yeah. doable um i don't know that i see the dimensions of this table yeah on here but um I know, like, it's a square table, right? The Harbinger's mm -hmm. a square table. But I think um, it looks might, like it might be five feet wide, maybe. What do you think? Four um, feet? Four it was wide enough to where it was hard to reach over from one end to the other. Right. In fact, yes. I think the guy the guy was trying to show us. He's like, no, look, it's so accessible. And he actually, like, he had to stand up on something and he could reach yeah. over. See, I can reach every part of the table. He's like, dude, you're standing on something. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And but, he's like, yeah, yeah, I am. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and that's <laughs> the thing. The, the, the bigger, the, the more people you accommodate, the harder it is to reach the middle or three yeah. quarters of the middle of the table. Um, yeah. 
Uh, I'm sure so, you could figure out the lighting. The problem is, is yeah. you get two. If you want to have a seance, this is not your table. If you have two, unless you have a lot of people. If you have two adults <laughs> sitting shoulder to shoulder, you have to watch that dimension. Otherwise, they're cuddling yeah. the whole time. You know, right. you really have to watch that. And then you're like, oh well, I'm going to give everybody plenty of room. Oh, you've decided you've just made something that doesn't fit into your room. Right. So you, it's all these choices that you have to make. Yeah, I feel like it's probably five feet by five feet um that's that's my rough thought which if that's the case you could still play a game of like age of sigmar or 40k on this table because the mat size is five feet by you know it's um it's 40 by 60 inches Mm -hmm. yeah you know or uh sorry 44 by 60 inches is the mat which would be great i mean that would be a great perfect table size if you're going right up to the edge so um anyway yeah so that's my other one now hopefully santa from my lips to Santa's ear, Santa, like, p- please deliver to my address. I'll upload it to the northpole.com. That's great. Yeah. All right. What do we got next? Um, I, I this it's my turn. I think I I really do want another warband. I really only own one warband. That it's probably worth two warbands now because I have enough minis in my faction to do two warbands if I wanted to. Mm. But I really want another faction. And I love Warcry minis. I love the quality of the Games Workshop sprues and how well they glue together, how well they're thought out. Um, and there's just a higher quality experience. And the sculpts are really, really fantastic, especially for Warcry. I, the, all of all of their different warbands are just, just look amazing. And I don't like fantasy. You guys know me. I'm a huge sci-fi guy. This is the <laughs> first time I've really been sinking my teeth into fantasy. Uh, and I'm down for it. Um, so I hope uh, I, I I hope there's a little bit of Amazon money, and I, I get I get a little itch and 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 go get another Warcry Warband so we can play more. Well, you chose the right fantasy in my opinion because I think Warcry miniatures are maybe the best min- fantasy miniatures that Games Walk- Games Workshop puts out as a whole. I mean, you you could argue that some of the uh, war uh, the um, the uh, Warhammer Underworlds models are really I mean, those are like some really amazing models, but that's pretty niche. I mean, you only get like four models in a box. But in terms of like uh, Warcraft, I think those those models and the and that they're coming out with are the best of Age of Sigmar, and I think that they even are the best of Games Workshop because while the fantasy ones are really good, you've talked about the Space Marine bell bottoms, you know, and the yeah. and the big shoulder pauldrons, right? Which I mean, they're kind of iconic Space Marine looking things, but the Space Marines represent more than half of the 40k models that are out there, you know. And there's some really cool 40k models. Don't get me wrong, but I think as a whole, um, Warcry may be the best Games Workshop. I think there's here. a lot of creativity in every sculpt in yeah. Warcry, and they're always inspiring. Even when I'm playing with your war bands, I always mm-hmm. look at the minis and go, "Holy crap!" There's nothing I don't like about these minis. Even the crappy ones, even the chaff are are just so well done. And I love Star Wars. I love me some Star Wars. I'll never stop loving Star Wars until my last dying breath on this earth. But as far as capturing kind of a new imagination space, Warcry is really good. So yeah. I'm 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 digging it. 
and I want to this year this I, I don't want the Christmas list to be so much of a New Year's resolution episode. We'll do that later. But yeah, I really want to get it get more into it and and have have more at my disposal. So also Jason, I'd like to point out the evolution that has happened this year with Dan. Um right. <laughs> Do you do you remember when he first tried uh, assembling that first so um, daughter oh, yeah. cane model? Yeah, and it was these these models suck. These are the worst <laughs> models ever. I hate them so much. And which, by the way, assembling the daughters of cane is like just under the level of hell of assembling night haunt spirit yeah. Hosts. Yeah, well, yeah, and you were you using know. gorilla glue. Yeah. I was using the wrong yeah, glue. I needed a lot of help. Yeah. I needed a real sherpa. Yeah. So, which is which is so funny because we're like Dan. It's cool. Be patient. We'll walk you through this. We promise. And it's so funny because um, I have heard the same things from other people, which is, oh, I don't like Games Workshop stuff. They're too complicated. It's hard to build, hard to paint, all those things. Like I love Reapers minis, or I love you know Whiz Kids minis, or um, something more simple to build, like uh, you know, even Star Wars Legion or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, that's where I, that's where I like, and that's kind of where you were, Dan, until you kind of got the right tools you needed. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, it's like it's like your mind was unlocked to the potential of what could be. You know. Well, it, so. it, it's it, it adds another dimension. It's a, it's uh, I know it's kind of cliche it becomes a much more three-dimensional hobby and I, I don't mean to be too punny about that but it's it's like if if, if you think about playing a, a ccg as a one-dimensional game and a basic skirmish game where stuff comes pre-painted or requires very little crafting to get it on the table like that, an x-wing or like something, an x-wing right? that's a two-dimensional game you pop the blister pack open you put the model on 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 the peg and you go now we're ready to play at this moment there's another level there to making your own pieces that is way more satisfying than i ever th- imagined it would be and i should not have picked these these sexy little <laughs> bikini ladies you know to to paint up but it it, it made me raise my game too it was hard and I sucked at it at first, and it forced me to be better at it than maybe I would have if I was assembling something a little dumber. Um, but I did learn the hard way, and I messed up a couple models. And, man, I when I know I'm wasting money, that's when I turn my brain on. And so it becomes a, a problem that you solve, which is cool. And, and, and that's part of gaming, too, is problem solving. And, um, and so, yeah, it's good. Uh, I, There's something about ownership with it, too, right? When you put that effort in to make it, build it and you're like you're like putting on the weapons you're putting on the arms you're doing the legs like you when you get done painting that you know that model yeah like that is yours it is part of you at that point you know and i mean i look at all the ones that i have painted and i know exactly what model it is i know exactly what the name is of that thing and then i look at ones that are have been on my shelf and not painted and i have to continually go back and be like what model is that again? I'm not 100% sure. But I know that if I go through the painting and, you know, hobbying process with that, that it is, you know, it becomes like a part of my repertoire because I know it. It is my own, and I call it by name, you know. And, so. and the game has to be fun, and that's the other thing that you guys did that was awesome. You're like, hey, I've got war bands. Let's get a little tournament going. Nobody has to bring anything but their willingness to play. Yeah. And then you're like, wow, that warband was fun. I think I know what I like about doing this one. And then before you know it, you're like, well, okay, I'm ready to spend money and get my own. So 
bravo guys uh it's it's good and and you know what to our listeners out there you gotta constantly be trying something new i mean if if i could get into a time machine and tell myself a year ago hey this is what you're really going to be excited about i'd be like liar (laughs) so anyway yeah i'll hand it over to jason thank you for letting me go long on that one well that's okay i'll go short on mine so uh I, too, would like a new Warband list. I played a lot of Flesh Eaters. I played a lot of Ogres in through 1 and into 2. I have always wanted to play Slaves to Darkness because I love the theme of Slaves to Darkness. These, you know, kind of corrupt warriors who um, are, like, teetering on the brink of, you know, demonic influence... Uh, and kind of signing their souls over for the for the sake of battle, but not quite in the corn space, you know, like the total demonic influence. Um, and I love the models, and I really, really want to build a Slaves to Darkness warband that has the Chaos Lord on the Drake, because I think it's just an amazing looking model. Even though you can't get that model except through aftermarket means right now, I'm hoping that they re-release it in a new box here, but. Uh, there's an so, AOS box that probably doesn't have what you're looking for for. Uh, uh, actually, it's not. It's completely off there. Uh, it, that model is unaccessible through Games Workshop. You just have to point. get it through somebody who already bought it, paint it, and wants to sell it. Or uh, is selling the initial Slaves to Darkness uh, box. Uh, start collecting box. Start collecting yeah, box. Offline. Uh, but yeah, but uh, and I'm pretty sure they pulled them to um, because they're probably revamping a box with that model because that's a great model and that model's only been out for a little a little while um so but anyways it's an amazing model it's if not the most expensive uh fighter unit in the game not including monsters it's 375 points for that guy baby i mean that is more expensive than some monsters um and honestly i don't think his stat profile is worth his point values but that's a for our you know that's a, a topic for our war cry uh, episodes. Yeah, is he more than the tyrant? Oh yeah, the tyrant's three fifteen. Really? I think the tyrant's three fifteen. Yeah. But I think the tyrant's profile is bigger, better than. <sighs> it is. Uh, this guy. It's the movement. What, well, it's yeah, the that's movement. it. It's the movement because he's got an eight yeah. and he has a double that can get him. Oh no, he's got a triple that can get him to ten. Um, but uh, anyways, his profile's okay. It's five attack, strength five, three five, which is massive damage ring, uh, yeah. too. So he's he is a force to be reckoned with. I just don't know if he's worth three hundred seventy five points of force. But the dude is a freaking awesome looking model, and I I just think it'd be really fun to feel the slave to darkness. So that's that's on my wish list to actually build uh, build hobby and play uh, a true to form slave to darkness warband. And he's on a lizard type guy. Yeah, he's on a... Um, J- well, well, Jason. Jason. It's a Carcadrac Drake. Chaos Lord on a Carcadrac. Yeah. $24.50 with Dutch. With, Okay, with our buddy. Yep. There you go. So, I mean, you can get it for twenty four fifty right now. Santa can still deliver on time. It's a Christmas <laughs> miracle. <laughs> he could. I expect it to be in the stocking, Santa. And Santa yep. can source from Dutch. I'm okay with that. Yeah, and look, um, I was going to say that uh, here's kind of a hilarious thing. I had the new Slaves I have the new Slaves to Darkness box in my house right now, but not because I wanted to buy it. Yeah, and it doesn't have that model in it. But. No, it does not, but it does have some of the new builds, which are 
really good. Mm-hmm. Like the new Chaos Knights look really amazing. The new um, Chaos Warriors look absolutely menacing. They do. Um, and I love I love the old Chaos Warriors. I thought they looked really cool before. But now, like with some of their poses, they look really cool. Really it's, cool. It's interesting to see. I haven't looked closely at the new box. Um, I know in some 40K lines and in like the Lord of the Rings set, you know, Games Workshop is, is starting to move away from hero scale. Uh, they're having more models that don't have the hero scale, you know, which is like the kind of oversized hands and heads yeah. uh, and weapons. Yeah. Um, like you can see that. And I think the, pr- I think the Primaris in 40 K uh, some people have done comparisons of like older models of the Primaris versus new ones. And like the heads and the hands are more proportionate to what a normal human proportion would be versus before. So it's a little less kind of cartoony and more serious. Um, so I'd be curious to see if they're going to start moving that direction in AOS or not. I feel like they haven't really. They're still like very hero scale focused in their Warcry in AOS. But that's a little bit of a side tangent. Yeah, I mean, like, with the models kind of being fantasy, right, and and mm-hmm. uh, and some of the cool poses that they're making – if you li- if you watch any of the really good artists out there, like they're focusing in on that face, mm-hmm. upper uh, upper torso a little bit, and maybe the hands and weapon. And um, I think I, I think I made a comment one time where um, one of the great painters like they painted the whole thing and they left the boots primed gray. Yeah, and yeah. they showed it mm-hmm. off, and nobody noticed that they had like not painted the boots. You yeah. know, because like they're so focused on the things that draw the eye that. You know, they're saying, like, you can focus, spend your time here and do a terrible job in the other places and nobody's going to notice. So, um, yeah, anyway. So, yeah, I think think that hero scale kind of helps lend to that image as well, you know. It does. What it does do is it makes it hard at times to mix other, which is, you know, could be a, a good or a bad thing. It makes it hard to mix... 32 millimeter models from other systems into AOS if you're doing conversions or anything like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Like I've got a unit of um, 20 Frostgrave cultists that I thought would be fantastic marauders. Oh, you mm-hmm. know, because they're holding like maces and flails and crossbows, and they've got all these crazy hats and looking, you know, like really menacing looking and stuff like that, and they'd be awesome, but. They don't have the same hero scale, so they look like little like goblins compared to, yeah. you know, some of the chaos warriors. So that's yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah. So slaves of the darkness. I think that could be fun. Yeah, definitely. I think that would be very cool. I I'm all in favor of you doing it. <laughs> <laughs> and then for twenty four fifty, you can get started. Yeah, it's a good model. Yeah. So anyway, well, very good, guys. I hope that all of our Christmas wishes come true. I'm not holding my breath for mine, um, but you guys have some very reasonable ones that I think could come <laughs> true, even in the post uh, or even in the Christmas aftermarket. Maybe uh, you know you could see some action in the aftermarket. So I know that uh, there are a couple of years where I'm like, that's fine. That my wife didn't get me the one thing that I really asked for. I'll get it myself. She doesn't even check anymore. And she comes down and she looks at all my crap and says, you should just be grateful for all this stuff that you've bought for yourself. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, yeah, you're probably right. My kids tell me all the time, 
you can't have any models until you paint the ones you have. And I just look at them and I said, yeah. says, says who? Says who? Says who? <laughs> it, yeah. So. Just, a, just a note on that. I'm like, man, I, I guess I shouldn't be st- spending so many late nights on the Star Wars army because I'm going to miss it when it's done being painted. <laughs> yeah. Dad's going around the whole house opening up board games looking for models to paint. <laughs> Just get, uh, just get, just get more. That's all you need. Just to get do. more. Just that's get more. that's the solution. Buy more. Yeah. All right. So. Thanks, everybody. Yeah. Well, thank you, everybody, for giving us a listen tonight. We'd love to hear what's on your wish list. So, um, you know, leave a comment, share us on Facebook, uh, hit us up on Twitter. Like, let us know what what do you got in your Christmas wish list, and uh, hopefully your Christmas dreams come true. Until the next time, keep the dice rolling and have a great night, everybody. Bye-bye.